want to tell you the story of Esther. The story that's in the book of Esther. Esther plays a critical role in it, but the, arguably she may not be the central character. The Jewish people have wrestled long with the story of Esther. They at first weren't sure it could be in, in Scripture at all because it never mentions the name of God. But the fact is that the footprints of God are all over this story. So let's tell a story. Opening scene. It's a palace of Xerxes, Lord of Persia, ruler of 127 provinces from modern-day India to Sudan, North Africa. There in the fortress of Susha, he holds the mother of all parties. Not only did the party last six months, put that in your head, when they decided to end it, they held a seven-day the party is ending party. You know, we, we sometimes see, you know, rap and hip hop and modern um, uh, sports stars or whatever just throwing their money away and this, they had nothing on Xerxes. The sumptuous display of gold and silver couches on a mosaic of black and white marble. In his palace. We, we know all of this. There was purple rock laid into the floor. There were crushed pearls laid into the floor so it would sparkle even more. But there was a rule at the party. It's in the book of Esther. One rule. The rule was drink as much as you want. If you're thinking this means Xerxes was not going to be on jeopardy at any time, you're probably right. Xerxes was incredibly powerful and sometimes quite cruel, but we don't see a lot of signs of intelligence from the lad, especially in this book. He had money, he had power, and he had no one to tell him no. Until Queen Vashti, that was his queen, Vashti, and she was holding her own party for the women of the royal palace, and on the last day of the king's party, the king was, I hope you're sitting down, this is quite the shock, the king was drunk. He ordered his seven eunuchs. Eunuchs are going to show up a lot in this story. I'm going to let parents describe this to their own children. They, he ordered his seven eunuchs to bring Vashti in front of the drunken men because she was beautiful and he wanted to show off how lovely she was. Well, there are those that say he wanted her to, to appear you know, nude or the like. There's no evidence for that. No, it's just he ordered her to show up and she said no. And that threw him into a crisis. He, he was not a decisive man. <laughs> he was not an original thinker. He had to gather his advisors around her on the last day of the, the party is now ending party and ask, what can I do now to save face with my guests from the 127 provinces from India to Sudan and on and on and on. The advisors said, you know, we're afraid that if this gets out, women will find out that they don't have to obey their husbands. And that might lead to them thinking, and that would be a disaster for the kingdom. Seriously. In his advisor's defense, they had been at the party. So 
this was, this is the drunk leading the drunk, probably. But they decided, they had a plan. There are a lot of plans in Esther. They came up with a fiendish plan. Since she refuses to come before the king, let's make a law. Because the king could do that. He didn't have to run it through Congress and the Senate. He could just make the law. That's what, that's what that kingdom did. Make a law that since she won't come before you, she's never allowed to come before you. That way it looks like it's your idea. You know, brilliant. So they made a law. The Queen Vashti was never allowed to, um, to come before him. In fact, it said more. <coughs> it said, let every husband be the ruler in his own house and speak with authority. And Queen Vashti can never come before me. Well, after his anger lessened, and maybe the massive hangover went away, Xerxes realized that he had now effectively divorced his queen. And it did not look good for a king of 127 provinces to not have a wife. So he did what every man in his prime would do. <coughs> Excuse me. He sent scouts to all 127 provinces. And by the way, I am repeating this, but that's because that's what they did. Um, they, they loved many titles and repeating. So he sent men out, scouts, to pick up all the pretty virgins. And then they were brought before the king back in Susa for him to, um, uh, for the king to look at, but not yet. Not yet. First of all, all of them would have to go through a one-year beauty treatment under the chief eunuch, Haggai, the guardian of the women. By the way, uh, if you're looking for a job, I'd recommend that chief eunuch not be one of them. It does sound as if it comes with some prestige, but nope. Chief eunuch, wow. By the way, the reason there are a lot of eunuchs is because every time they took over a new place, they would demasculate the men and make the men serve them. So eunuchs were generally speaking teachers, professors, the learned ones, and the royals. And so they, they used to be high muckety-mucks, and now eh, they're not. So chief eunuch needed to get them all prettied up. Enter Esther, whose name means star. I don't know why we don't just call her star. His, uh, her great-grandfather had been taken into captivity when the kingdom of Jehoiakim fell Mordecai, um, or Mordecai, as some pronounce it. I don't really know which is, is right. Mordecai raised his uncle's daughter, Esther, after she became an orphan. And so she, they were very, very close. She was very, very pretty. And so, of course, the scouts saw her and took her to Susa, where Haggai, chief eunuch, saw her and thought, ooh, here's a lovely one, and, and kind of separated her into the prettier of the prettiest to undergo the special one-year beauty treatment. Um, this, this supplied, rather this um, included a daily supply of food because the waif look had not caught on in Persia. They liked their women with heft. So they might be pretty, but now they need to become pretty big or big pretty. So a lot of food. Uh, he gave her seven servants. And seven servants here doesn't necessarily mean the number seven. It just means all she wanted and all she could use. He gave her and her servants the best room in the uh, rooms in the, the women's quarters. Women were absolutely 
segregated, sequestered away from everybody else during this time other than the eunuchs who were caring for them. Mordecai walked by back in front of the women's quarters every day to get news about how she was doing, to hear the gossip. Well, after six months of, of myrrh oil and six months of perfumes and, quote, various treatments for women, I do not know what those were. I do not want to know what those were. But anyway, after six months, she would be sent to the king and in this line. And if the king liked her, um, he was supposed to keep her around. Um, but she would still be sent away for another six months. So let's get this right. They'd all be in a line, right? Six months in. Various treatments for women. A lot of myrrh. Smells a lot like myrrh in this room. And as the guy goes down, he's supposed to, you know, random. Like, you know, number one, number two, number one, number two. Whatever it was, you know, purple, green, purple, whatever the signal was. The ones that did not find his favor were sent away and just sent back home. The ones that did find his favor were sent back for another six months of the special women's treatment thing. Well, if you, um, there was a Disney movie once that was, you know, built upon this, the emperor's new groove or something like this. And they actually took a scene from Esther and redid it there where he's going, nope, nope, are you kidding me? That one's not yet. And going down the line, that's about as smart as Xerxes was at this stage or any stage. Well, Xerxes comes down the line and he sees Esther and he likes her a lot. Um, in fact, he, he forgot the plan. The plan was to send her back for six months more treatment. He took off the royal crown, put it right on her head. You can all see the eunuchs looking around going, what, what? And the advisor's going, wait, 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 what's going on? And he, he celebrates and he says, you are now the queen. And to celebrate her, um, and they, here's another shocker, he decided they should have a party. So they had a party in her honor and he invited all the officials and advisors. He made the day an official holiday and he handed out gifts to everybody to celebrate the official holiday of uh, finding the new queen, Esther. So uh, I don't know what the people back at the barracks thought about what they're going to do for the next six months, but they, you know, now that's all off. Esther was taking Mordecai's advice the whole way and keeping quiet. In fact, part of the rules that Mordecai had told her was don't tell anybody that you're a Jew. Don't tell, don't tell them about your family. Don't tell them about me. Stay safe. A little story surfaces here. So I need you to remember everything I've just said because I do not want to go through all of that again. But a little story is off here to the side. Two of the king's eunuchs decided they didn't like Xerxes and they wanted to figure out a way to kill him. We're not told why they didn't like him, but I think a hint can be found in the word eunuch. Regardless, Mordecai found out about it and he told Esther, who was now queen, uh, she told Xerxes, hey, these two eunuchs don't like you and they want to kill you. So Xerxes had the matter investigated and he killed the two eunuchs that are known as Big Thin and Teresh, by the way, and he hung their bodies on a pole. All right, that was a great story, but now we need to get back to our main story. Xerxes had an advisor he especially liked named Haman and he promoted him to chief advisor. 
with lots of fancy clothes and stuff. Because he was a childish man. And he surrounded himself with other childish, shallow people. Since life was very cheap in Susha, and since everybody wanted to be in tight with the party king of Persia, all of the other officials and people flung themselves at the ground at the sight of Haman. Mordecai didn't. When asked why he didn't, Mordecai didn't say why he wouldn't bow when Haman showed up. He just didn't. Helpful souls decided to tell Haman about it and added the tidbit that Mordecai, Mordecai was a Jew. So we've got a non-flinging Jew on the premises. We're not really sure why. He's not even a real Persian. And since he's not a Persian, may not even be a real human. Well, Haman was furious. So, and you, you can't make this up. Haman decided Mordecai just needed more chances to show that he could fling himself in the dust at Haman's appearance. So he arranged to go past and forth, back and forth in front of Mordecai. Mordecai just looks at him. He didn't fling. So Haman's furious, and he said, I got, he's got to die. But not just him, every Jew. Because if you haven't picked up on it yet, Xerxes and his advisors did not understand moderation. They did not understand half measures. So that's what happened with Vashti and what happened when they made the rule about all the men being rulers in their house. And that's, now he's going to make another one. Got to kill all the Jews. Now, how do we kill all the Jews? Because Haman, while super important to Xerxes, did not have the ability to make such a law. Only Xerxes can make law. Nobody else. So how do you do it? Because if he killed all the Jews in 127 provinces, that would show them, especially show Mordecai. So he approached Xerxes uh, in chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, saying, there are a people resident in your empire who are not like us and do not obey our laws. And they are, they're bad people. Um, and what I think you ought to do is kill them all. Now, that could be expensive. I know I'm asking a lot, buddy. So, I will offer to pay for the extermination of these people because I love you so much. You know, I, I, I don't want these people in your empire. You don't need that. You, do, you don't need that kind of pressure. So, let me just get rid of those people for you. Well, Xerxes knew where the money would come from anyway, so he just gave him his ring, which is what you put in the wax to show that Xerxes had made the law, and said, you know, make the law, do whatever you want to with the Jews. Because Xerxes had zero, zero value of the human life in his heart. None. This is Persia. That's what they do. So the order came down. Lots of fancy scripts on nice scrolls sent out to all of the 127 provinces by speedy delivery that on um, the people had permission, because you didn't have an army big enough to do this. The people had permission that on this date, on the 13th day of the 12th month, they had permission to pick up arms and kill all the Jews. And when they killed the Jews, you got to keep whatever stuff they had. So that motivated the people to become a militia army. Uh, this is going to be their payment. 
Uh, you, you get their land, their children, their slaves, their, their property, whatever they got, their money, you get to have it. Well, Mordecai put on sackcloth, which is a really rough burlapy type thing, put ashes on his head and ashes all over him, and sat in the middle of the city in front of the king's gate. Jews all over the empire followed his example, except Esther. Because Esther didn't know about any of this. Esther is sequestered from all other people. Some of the eunuchs came to her and said, you're nice uncle, that we always do messages back and forth, you know, Mordecai. Uh, He's out there sitting in ashes, wearing rough stuff, and he's got dirt on his head. Well, she being very sweet and nice, thought, well, there's something very bad there. So she sent him some nice clothes and food. And he refused. So then she sent one of her favorite eunuchs. Got enough eunuchs to have a favorite. Hathach. And, and said, Can, go ask him what's going on. Mordecai told him everything. He, Mordecai even said, have him have a copy of the decree. This guy is great. I love Mordecai. This is the kind of guy you want on your side. He said, just happen to have a, pop, you know, a copy here so she can read it for herself. He told Hathach to go to the king. Uh, told Hathak to tell Esther she needed to go to the king and argue for the lives of her people. Now, this only made sense if you were ready to die. Because, plot twist here, you need to know that in Persia there were rules. Oh, there were so many rules. They inherited this from the Medes. No relation, different spelling, different place. The Medes and the Persians had a law um, uh, that once a law was written, it was the law and could never be overturned or rescinded. The law is the law. What is written can never be rescinded. It's a law of the Medes and the Persians. So one of their laws was that you could never walk into the palace where Xerxes was unless he'd invited you. Because if you did and you were spotted, there was a few seconds of opportunity. If Xerxes saw you and he extended his scepter, this sounds like kids playing games, doesn't it? If he extended his scepter, then they had to let you approach him. But in those few seconds, if he didn't, they had people whose job it was to kill you on the spot. And they were stationed around the king's chair to make sure that happened. So Mordecai told her to do something that might cost her life. And she said, I will, but only if you pray. Only if you fast. Mordecai, when told about this, agreed. And agreed that all the Jews would fast and pray for three days before she went in. But in chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, he reminds her. He says, but who knows? But that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Remember that. Well, the big day came. She went before the king. Tense moment. He extended the scepter. She put on the big eyes and asked him to to dinner. He said, you know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? He said, said, well, in fact, he says, what do you want? I'll even give you half the kingdom. He said that so many times to her that had he done it, he would have had like 4% of the kingdom left by the end of the story. So it was an expression. You know, uh, I'll, I'll give you anything, sweetie. And she goes, well, you know, honey, would you come to dinner with me? And he, 
Yeah, every man wants to be flirted with by his wife. Every man lives for the hope that his wife will flirt with him. And, and we don't care if it's manipulative. Ladies, you need to know this. Um, men, you need to know women hate being manipulated. And if they think you're trying to give them roses and show them a nice thing, you know, to manipulate them, they hate that. Um, you're just supposed to do that because you just love them so much. Uh, women, you need to know something. We don't care if you're going to manipulate us. We're, we enjoy the process. All right? So he was just thrilled. And she goes, hey, would you bring Haman too? And he goes, well, sure, best buddy. My best buddy, I'm bringing him. Yeah, you better believe it. So he's thrilled. Um, at the dinner, guess what? He says, I'll give you everything you want, even half the kingdom. He is just so smitten. I don't know, maybe overcome by myrrh. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but whatever it was, she said, well, the only thing I really want is for you to come back tomorrow for dinner. Bring Haman again. Well, he was on top of the world. His wife was now courting him. I mean, wow. And Haman was on top of the world because he's inside the power uh, circle. And he, you know, the top two people in the kingdom, well, you know, Xerxes is the only one that matters, but you get the point. Um, Haman now is in the group power, glory, honor, respect. He's strutting along having a great time now. Looking forward to dinner tomorrow with Xerxes and his little snuggle bunny when he passes a non-flinging Jew. Mordecai. Sackcloth and ashes just looks at him. Not afraid. Not bowing. Not trembling. Haman got so mad he went home and he whined to his wife about how important he was and how he got to go to a nice dinner and all that. And then this stupid non-flinging Jew wouldn't fling or show him respect when he walked by. And his wife was a decent sort. She loved him and she had, you know, sweet ideas. And she goes, well, you know, why don't you, um, you know, first thing off the top of my head, um, why don't you erect like a 75-foot pole and, and hang Mordecai on top of it? And Haman thought, well, no wonder I love you. You know, what a great idea. So he was now happy. So same night, the king could not sleep. I don't know if it was a cooking or what. So um, he had some of the staff read official documents to him. Because, you see, um, official documents will put anybody to sleep. So they came and are reading these boring old official documents. And they came to a bed where... There's a story of two eunuchs who wanted to kill him. Bigthan and Teresh. You thought we weren't coming back. We're coming back. This is a good story. So, and they were going to kill Xerxes, but the plot was revealed by this guy named Mordecai. And therefore, they were able to kill these two bad people, and Xerxes was allowed to live in peace. And he said, wow. Well, what did we ever do for this guy? that saved my life by revealing the plot. And they looked through all the records and they said, we don't think we gave him anything. Well, it's morning by then. Haman showed up to ask the king to allow him to put Mordecai's body on top of the temple. But before he could start, Xerxes goes, I, 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 um, um, what should be done for the man whom the king wishes to reward? Well, Haman's thinking, well, that's me. You know, oh boy, he's, he gets really exciting. Um, 
And so he made up something on the spot. And it shows he was not really a quick thinker. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. He said, well, I, I'm, I'd, I'd, um, I'd, I'd, let, I'd let him ride your horse and wear your, your clothes and be led around the city. And everybody have to say how good he is. And Xerxes goes, brilliant. Best idea ever. You need to do that for a guy named Mordecai. <laughs> that sound you hear is Haman's face going. <clears throat> he barely had time to deal with this until he had to go. Oh, Xerxes added. Because I love you. You're my buddy. You get to lead the horse. Best story ever. Really. Just gets better. Hang on. So all day long, Haman's got to lead a horse with Mordecai on it. Xerxes' horse. And he's wearing Xerxes' fancy clothes. And he has to keep shouting all day long, this is the man that the king wants to, to show respect and reward. This is the man the king appreciates all day long. He barely had time after finishing his day at work to go home, try to wash up and whine to his wife and friends before the eunuchs showed up to take him to dinner. What a, weird, what a weird world. You know, honey, the eunuchs are here. So now he's got to go to work. Goes back to dinner. They're eating. And he, the king, Xerxes, is still so smitten. And he goes, honey, please, what is it you want? I'll do anything, even, you, you heard it, even to the half of the kingdom. And she goes, well, really, all I'd like is if you wouldn't kill me and my family. And he goes, wait, what? What? Who wants to kill you? Uh, and she says, him? Haman? You can see Haman over there. This is not his best day. He's had a hard time. I don't know if your sympathy meter is moving or not, but right. Well, Xerxes is so enraged, he didn't know what to do, so he stomps around and he leaves. Well, Haman hits the ground. He flings. He flings. He hits the ground begging, oh, Esther, 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 please, 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 you know, help me, help me, help me. And he's right flinging on Esther when Xerxes walks back in. That's not a good look. That's not a good look. So, Xerxes just being, oh, what are you, I don't even know what to, what am I supposed to do with you? When Harbona, another eunuch, standing by a window goes, hey, look over there, there's a 75 foot tall pole. There's not even a body on top of it. <laughs> I think they're all in Esther's corner. So the king goes, yeah. Haman's taken out and killed and hung on that pole, the pole that he had made for Mordecai. And the Jews, what about the Jews? Well, they couldn't, they couldn't rescind the law. The law was still in effect that on that day, on that month, they could, the people were to rise if they wished and could kill any Jews. But they made another law that allowed the Jews to arm themselves. And the Jews were saved for such a time as this. Our safe harbor is for such a time as this. Brick and mortar churches are closing. They're struggling. It, it's hard to justify all the money put into the ground. 
People want to worship in their homes with their friends and their neighbors and their families. And they want to then take Jesus out onto the streets and share for such a time as this. Look at the interactive map on OurSafeHarbor.com. Go to the website and play with that map and see where our dots, just the ones that have checked in. And we know that 90 something percent have not. Please check in. And you see, we have been placed all over the world in strategic places for such a time as this. Do we believe God's still God and God's still telling the story? Then the story of Esther's not over because it's still being unwoven in our life, the story of you, for such a time as this. Go live out the story and live in the wonder of the great storyteller's love for us. May God bless you. Give you peace.